Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to the Great Iron Beauty Blitz Podcast 376. Oscar Lopez in the house. We will have the backseat coach in about an hour. Mark Simone in here to talk WNFC Week 6. We're going to be talking WNFC Week 5, WFA Week 6, and Preview Week 7. We're going to preview WNFC Week 6 as well. We're going to have the return of X-League Insider Nate Ward also in the second hour. But we are loaded to go this two-hour extravaganza, and that will be with two interviews today. We're kind of excited to have in uh, Music City uh, Misfits head coach Tracy Logan here in about 15 minutes in the No Joke no joke Football Huddle. And top of that, in about 45 minutes, we are going to have uh, Jacksonville Dixie Blues in the house as well, uh, Coach Robinson, and we're also going to have um, Amber Twig and Javantia uh, Maple. So all action-packed for the next hour, and then we're going to dive into WNFC, WFA, Massey ratings, uh, rankings for the WNFC, um, just a lot of stuff happening in terms of what's going on in the sport as we get towards the playoffs. We've got two weeks left in the WNFC. we got two weeks left in the WFA. A lot of games this weekend that we are going to be able to talk about with Mark Simone when he comes here in about, uh, it's about an hour or so. Sin City rebounds versus Arizona, 24-6. to 6. Uh, Baltimore, big win uh, against Richmond. Uh, DDA goes down against Derby. And then it's going to be uh, Mile High gets a, gets a edged over OKC. OKC's played pretty well all season. Uh, I think they probably deserve a bump to D2 at this point. They've kind of earned that. And the Capital Pioneers out west in a, in a brutal defensive duel against the PDX fighting Shockwave, 15-14, to 14, plus Sun City continues to roll. A pretty exciting team this year for the Stealth out in El Paso. 20, uh, 35-28 as they take down Rocky Mountain Thundercats. So it's really uh, awesome weekend. Plus we got the uh, Dallas Elite uh, rebounding to stay in the D1 competition with 22-0 over Austin. The Renegades uh, just completely routed the Divas. Uh, obviously the Divas are Completely a different team without uh, Amanda Kangeldi and uh, D. Scott. So shout out to D. Scott for uh, hopefully she's doing better and rehabbing better and for, to Amanda out there. But uh, 70 to zero, the champs continue to roll. Uh, they are they have already punched their ticket. It's just a matter of the playoff seedings at this point. But Boston really on a trajectory to the road to Canton. It just we we set it from week one. Uh, we are at almost week six now. Week seven. Uh, the champs, that's it. Uh, they, they, nobody's going to take them down unless uh, somebody's going to really put up a good fight in the playoffs, and I don't see anybody doing that at this point besides maybe the Tampa Bay uh, Inferno. Um, so that would be the only team that I can think of that would be competitive enough to do that. Um, Houston Energy, 54-14 to 14 down the Houston Power. Uh, Minnesota on the – for the fans – uh, game of the week on the For the Fans Network, Minnesota 49-6 to against Arlington. 
Uh, Mark Simone said, hey, we got uh, the Vixen playing pretty well ball. They're going to take they're going to take down the impact. Uh, I said offensively, if they could, you know, score a lot more points versus that. And I, I guess I have to eat my words, um, including uh, Coach uh, Coach Matson out there in uh, with the Vixen. So, uh, you know, shout out to him for calling me out on Twitter. So, uh, but uh, 49 to six, uh, Arlington goes down, and now Arlington will go into battle against Cali War. Cali Warner has lost against Nevada, and now Arlington against Minnesota. So it's a really must-win for Cali War and Arlington for Division One seeding in terms of the playoffs and where they're going to position themselves. So it's going to be the For the Fans game, Week 7, and uh, we will dive into that, like I said, in about an hour when uh, backseat coach Mark Simone comes in, and we're going to dissect uh, both WFA and WNFC. I'm going to shout out to the USWFL champions, the River City Sting, who took down um, the Tri-City Thunder this weekend. So if you're at the Hub, you already knew that, at the Hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. And uh, we are excited and right there at the gallery. So they're very gracious. They're appreciative. And uh, great job out there, uh, River City Sting, for, take, for winning the 2021 undefeated season for them, 5-0. and and they are the USWFL champions for 2021. So great job there for the River City Stings. So congratulations to them. Um, the other key matchups we're going to be talking about is uh, Baltimore, Carolina coming up here. Capital against, I mean, a Capital City Savages have been playing pretty good ball. They're taking on Cincinnati Sizzle. Uh, we got, uh, who else do we have? Houston as well. Uh, they're going to be taking on Gulf Coast. Miami against Orlando in the, in the uh, Florida swing. We are going to have Mile High taking on Rocky Mountain in the Denver swing. We got uh, Richmond looking to rebound against the New York Knockout, who have been playing really awesome ball in 2021. And the PDX, who lost to uh, Capital Pioneers 15-14, will match up with the D3 champion and D2 powerhouse Nevada Storm in this coming uh, week seven of the Women's Football Alliance. So if you get, want to get the details on everything that's happening in the WFA, the Women's Football Alliance, WFAProFootball.com is your site to go. Scheduling, everything there, rostering, seating, standings. As we get into the playoff mode, they're going to be a lot more crucial to keep an eye on. So we'll, uh, we'll dive in with Mark as well and myself, and then we'll, we'll di- dissect that every week. But if you want to keep up to date on it, it's WFAProFootball.com. All right, the WNFC, not to be forgotten at this point. Key matchups this weekend as well. And uh, the rankings for the WFRC are going to come out this weekend. I think a shift will be shifting in terms of the top six. Uh, The rebellion of all the teams, I think, in 2021, we knew they were for real. Uh, We uh, now know they are for real. Taking down Seattle, 21-0, and NG Martin and company, uh, 4-0 at this point. They can run the table in the last two weeks. If you saw the uh, the, uh, the recap there and the promo on the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties, you pretty much know that. San Diego, top three probably overall ranked in the WNFC. Uh, what a great job. Nenji Martin, Katie Ott, and the rest of the group there in San Diego. They've done a tremendous job this this season. They stood out. They've uh, been able to win every game that they should win. 
They've been very competitive in terms of their scheduling, in terms of their rivals on the Pacific Coast, and they have done the job that they needed to get done. Uh, they're playing really good ball on the run game. They're doing really well on the uh, t- terms of the attack. But defensively, they have done a tremendous job all season defensively, so we've got to give them credit there on the defensive side of the ball in terms of the rebellion. Uh, Seattle goes down, um, so it just Hero and, and Wilson just could not muster up enough offense for them to even punch up uh, a score. They were trying to, uh, if you were watching the game on WNFC TV, uh, they were trying, Seattle Majestics towards the end had no hope of even winning the game. They were trying to sacrifice and eliminate the Rebellion's 12-quarter winning streak of victory. So 12 quarters without a score allowed, I believe, is the record that they had, and Seattle was trying to punch in a last-minute score to ruin that streak. So, uh, you know, like I said, shout out to the defense. Rebellion defense has really stood out all season. I don't know what they're eat- doing out there, but they're eating a lot of protein. I can tell you that right now because they're shutting people down. And San Diego now has a pretty pretty decent path if we had to scope it down in terms of uh, they're going to be in the dance. There's just no doubt about that. Um, it's going to be a matter who they face in the dance and uh, how competitive they're going to be with that. But overall, there you go. The other team we got to mention, obviously, it's the Las Vegas Silver Stars, which I think they're going to get a bump at this point. They've been uh, ranked eighth all season. I, I truly believe they're going to get a bump. And so why, why not? I mean, they, are, they have done so well in the season so far compared to the 2019 inaugural season, and they took down the L.A. Bobcats 25-6. to um, They are literally 3-1 and one right now. They could win out on their last two games and also be in the same position as San Diego. So competitive West Coast matchups there. Utah takes down the La Muerte de las Cruces. Uh, I think we're uh, somewhat disappointed that La Muerte de las Cruces did not put up any points. All of us were looking for some sort of uh, – um, spark from them because they look so good through the first two weeks. Um, they get to face top-level competition now in terms of the number two ranked and 2019 runner-up Utah Falcons, and the result is uh, was pretty devastating. But uh, you know they played their hearts out. They understood uh, the, the discipline on the Falcon side. Uh, Gina Magana, uh, Louise Bean, and company. Holly Cusses on defense plus. Everybody on that Falcon team pretty much uh, took control after about two quarters, and it was set. It was set and done. And so La Muerte has to go back and reevaluate themselves very quickly, brush this off, because they get the champs next. They get the nine cup champs coming up here next week, and they are probably a little bit more brutal than the Falcons, if you want to say that at all, because they are they are almost at the same level. So Las Cruces really has. Uh, a lot of film study to do, and how are they going to be able to contain everybody on the offensive side in terms of uh, Brittany Bushman and company over in um, the Texas Elite Spartans, including Liz Landry, of all people. So uh, it's going to be a tough tough battle for them. Uh, that If they lose these two games, uh, La Muerte will be 2-2. Two and two. They can still try to make the playoffs, but they, it's going to be a tough uh, stretch towards the playoffs. They would have to win out the remaining games on their schedule, and it looks to me like that's going to be a, a situation where they have to at least be competitive in the, at least these two matchups before we even look at that. So at this point, it's, it's going to be a battle. So uh, 
The other matchup was Philadelphia against Washington Prodigy. Philly has not looked good at all since they got whacked by Alabama. So Alabama really did a number on the Philly Phantoms, and since then they have not played very good ball. Uh, They also have penalty issues as well in almost every game, Uh, discipline in that side of the ball. they got to get it fixed quickly if they want to make the playoffs. Uh, The Prodigy, really competitive. They've played Atlanta. They've played uh, Philly. Um, They are – you know, former champions from another league, but they're showing their might and they're showing that they can play uh, any type of ball you want to play. But at this point, it, they've played really good defensive ball through five weeks. It's going to be an interesting matchup in terms of who is going to uh, come out of that East uh, Atlantic Conference to uh, challenge the Texas Elite Spartans or the Alabama Fire. And it looks like Washington is going to be that one team that can do it. So we'll dive into that with Mark as well. Uh, Mississippi Panthers off the bye weeks. Impressive victory, 34-13 to against the Houston Heat. And then Denver puts a 60-burger on Nebraska, including our backup QB, our own co-host Mackenzie Brooks, uh, who played uh, some downs and snaps out there. So Denver really also in a position where they have waken up and they, got, they, they have the opportunity to – try to get into the playoffs at this point. So if you saw the feature that we had out there at the hub, you saw we're featuring the Denver Bandits, the Las Vegas Silver Stars, and the San Diego Rebellion as a focus for this week at, at, as well. So the rankings will change based on what happened this weekend. We'll look forward to the rankings. I believe they're, they're going to come out Thursday or Friday um, after the coaches poll and the WNFC committee poll assess that and we will see Thursday or Friday will be the WNFC rankings. It's going to be surprising to see uh, where everybody's standing at this point. I believe Las Vegas will get a bump. Uh, More than likely Philly will drop. Atlanta will probably come into the top five. Washington may be in the top six or seven. So we'll see what the uh, rankings will see. We'll go there. So uh, let's go into the monkey knife huddle and uh, we're going to go into the huddle and we're going to be talking to coach uh, of the, uh, Music City Misfits. We're going to be talking to Coach Tracy Logan in a second here. ...is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Hi, Coach Logan. How you doing? I'm well. How you doing? How you doing, sir? Thanks for making the time. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Coach Logan, how how was the season so far for you in terms of the overall scope of the season? Uh, I know you guys are preparing for this, obviously, with COVID and everything that happened. How was that change? How did that change, uh, you know, coming into this season? Um, I think it's the same way with many teams. Uh, COVID, so you couldn't have as many in person. Uh, type practices and meetings, so that's been challenging. But we've, I think we've done well in that regard, in that aspect, um, getting together. We have a lot of rookies on our team, and so getting them up to speed, not only as to what we like to do at um, Music City, but just football in general, get, getting their IQ up, getting their education up. So, And physically, you know, um, conditioning, getting that together because COVID won last season. And so we're just trying to get – acclimated back to football this year. Uh, Coach, what can you tell us about 
the transition this year in terms of once, you know, everybody was doing Zooming, more fundamentals, that's what I hear from a lot of teams. Was that your approach too in the offseason, like more, get more techniques, more fundamentally sound in that regard to just so when you come into the season, once everything got back to normal practices, um, you know, the mind was different and physicality was different. That's actually our approach every year. Um, yeah, I don't care if you played the game 15 years. You always need to brush off the uh, fundamentals and make sure you're sound in that regard. Uh, so we do that every year with everybody. Um, and so we just try to make sure people understand technique as much as possible. Um, and, and, of course, it's challenging for those who have never played to understand why the technique is the way it is and why it's important to do the technique the way it is. I mean, we've had a great group of ladies who've, who've caught on and are uh, seem to be having fun with it. You know, that's the main thing is, is, is work, it's taxing on your body, but have fun with it. Uh, Coach, tell uh, the, our listeners a little bit about your background, uh, how many years you've coached the team. Uh, I know you're uh, like a trainer uh, outside of the coaching realm. So you understand, obviously, body, you know, the mechanics of body and maintaining a, a optimum level of, you know, physicality for for the the sport. So tell us a little bit about you and what you bring what you bring to the Misfits so far. Okay, um, a little bit about me. I'm a native of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I played semi pro ball uh, here in Nashville. Um, I coach, obviously. Women's women's football and a men's team. Um, I'm, I'm I am a personal trainer, as you stated. I'm an official also, so I'm in the rule book as much as anybody. Um, I'm a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Um, I'm an ordained minister, and I just love football. So what I what I like to bring to any team that I coach is clarity, uh, understanding. Um, definitely bring the why and how we do things. Um, I think people do better when they know why and how. So I try to bring the education piece with it versus just doing what I tell you to do, but let me explain why you're doing it. So that's my approach. Uh, I'm very teaching. I'm very I'm very patient, uh, but I do like to get the best out of whatever I do and whatever those around me are doing. Uh, Coach, we had uh, the big you know big news like a week ago. Uh, it was regarding your team, uh, Huntsville Tigers. Uh, the ownership there did not agree with, I guess, the matchup you guys had in, uh, earlier in the season. They took a grievance to the league, and then the league obviously made a ruling, probations, suspensions. Those included some of your players and things like that. So um, can you speak on any of that at all? Do you want to speak to any of that? I'll, I'll say this. Um, football is a contact sport. It's an aggressive sport. Um, so, of course, when I play and the way I coach, I coach and teach aggression. Uh, you cannot play football uh, half-stepping because that's how you get hurt. So I teach people go all out, but go between the whistles and go within the rules. Like anything, you are still teaching fundamentals. You are still teaching hand placement, you know, body placement. You're teaching these things. Is it perfect every game? No. Do things happen? Yes. That's why you have flags. Throw the flag if something happens on the field that's wrong. That's cool. As coaches, we correct it. That's what we do. Um, 
in regards to that game, we actually passed down some uh, disciplinary actions more strict than the league did on some of our players because it's been said that we are a dirty team. We are not a dirty team. Um, we are a physical team. We try to be as physical as we can be within the rules. Um, I mean, there's time where we've gone up against teams and they've just out, um, you know, they were more physical than we were. We don't say anything. We go back to the lab, get stronger, see what we did wrong, improve that, try it again next time. Uh, but this notion that we are a dirty team, this is the first, and I've been coaching since early 2000. This is the first that I have been associated with a team that has been labeled dirty. That is not what we do. That is not who I am. That is not what I condone. Uh, and it was a little disappointing to have that stigma put on me and nobody knows us, you know, me, my, my coaching staff, any of that. So that was a little disappointing. But, you know, I, I'm just like people have opinions and they're entitled to that. Um, they may see it in a different way than I did. Um, we addressed it. The league addressed it. It's been handled, and we moved on. Coach Logan, um, you said it. You know, I don't think any coach – in a fundamentally sound system is going to, uh, you know, promote that, right? Because it doesn't benefit you as a staff to have the stigma that you are putting out, you know, players that are obviously going to play cheap and dirty, right? Because that doesn't help you in the long run at all. Um, no, it doesn't. And to your point, it, and, and, to your point you did and, address that, you know, to a point where, you know, you took accountability with the individuals that obviously were either out of bounds fundamentally or – like you said, they were not working in, within the scope of what you're teaching, right? Exactly. And so we saw, that, you know, we, we self-scout. So not only do we do uh, game planning on the other team, but mm-hmm. we self-scout. What are we doing? What are our tendencies? And so we checked that and we, you know, saw the clips that was, that was presented to the league. We saw it. We addressed it. And, again, like I said, we did above and beyond on some in some aspects than the league did because that is not who we are. We are not a dirty team, and I don't condone that. You know, I, I don't want to say we have rogues or anything like that because we don't. Um, but you have times where it gets heated and you correct it. Um, I'm under the impression that the way I was coached is if you have a certain kind of foul, you come out for a play right away. Cool off. Hey, right. chill. Relax. You know. Let me explain what you did. Now go back out there and do it better. Or if I see you doing something dirty, come on to the sideline, give me your helmet, sit down and spectate. All right? But the mm-hmm. last thing I'm going to want to do is put somebody in harm's way because I don't want nobody putting our team in harm's way. You know, this is a, again, it is a physical sport, a contact sport, but it, it is a sport nonetheless that you are supposed to come out here, compete, and have fun. At the end of the day, we have jobs to go to, families to get back to, and that's the you know big thing. This is fun. This is a game. Let's enjoy the game. I agree with you. I think I, I think I, I, the reason I wanted to I uh, wanted to bring you on is to really give you that voice, right? Because that was your team that was presented in that light, and I thought it was only fair for for me to bring you on, and so you can address it in in a manner as you said. You know, the league did do some disciplinary action, but you personally. Uh, took self-accountability within the team because it hurts the brand, right? Ultimately, it not only hurts yourself or the staff, but it also hurts the branding of the team because nobody wants to be associated with 
with a, a, an organization that obviously is out to harm others, right? We want it, we, but we want to exactly. play within the scope of the sport, as you said, because it is competitive. It is to c- considered dangerous in, in a lot of aspects of it. So, um, you know, you try to limit as much as that as possible. There's injuries, right? Look, look at uh, look at D. Scott playing competitive, and then you know she broke her femur and things like that. And bad things do happen on the field, even when there isn't a dirty play or dirty concept of play. You're still going to have some other injuries that might happen. So. Um, Coach Tracy, I really appreciate you being candid with us and giving us the, the time and answering it because I really, I really uh, wanted you to come on so that you know everybody that listens to us understands that you know Misfits Ball is fundamentally sound, and if it isn't, then obviously you're going to address it as you stated here. Absolutely, and, and let me thank you again for uh, extending the opportunity to be on this platform. Um, the last thing I want to do is bring any negative attention uh, to the organization or to any organization that I'm a part of. Um, we do our best to teach fundamentals and to teach football the right way. That is, that is who we are. And I also want to commend, uh, my organization, uh, the misfits for not responding when they could have, but chose not to, uh, sometimes it's better to not say anything because I, I do believe that things happen for a reason and here I am tonight mm-hmm. being given an opportunity to speak. Uh, and I want everybody to know, uh, I, I thank those that have reached out to us across the nation who do not know us but know the situation. And I want to thank you for your support. And, again, I wish no ill to any player, not even to the organization uh, in this situation. I don't wish any ill will towards them. I thought it was a just a nice physical football game. And if they thought that we were being dirty, I assure them that's not the case. Um, you know, if I have an issue with somebody, I will go to them. I will say, hey, I have an issue with this. Let's iron it out. Uh, but thank you again. And let me just real quick, uh, D. Scott uh, of the Divas. So I saw where she was injured, and I had to reach out and, you know, just let her know that I'm thinking about her and, you know, encouraging her and praying for her because it's, it's more than football. She don't know me. You know, I don't know her, but – that's football. Injuries happen, so I had to donate to the cause, and I wish everybody across the nation will, if it's nothing but a dollar, two dollars, four dollars, ten dollars, whatever the case may be, whatever you can afford. I'm not calling anybody's pockets, but if you can help her out with her medical bills, because I know they're tremendous, um, do that. But again, thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity to uh, state the case here tonight. Yeah, no, I wanted to bring you on because it's only fair to, uh, you know, for me, hearsay is hearsay, but when you, you have to get it from the horse's mouth. And, um, you know, Misfits, uh, they've played a pretty good ball for the last couple of years, and there's no need for, for that. I believe the WFA took swift action. I know Hunt, the Huntsville ownership uh, felt otherwise within the rule book, but I think that's something that needs to be addressed within the league and that owner, right? Because that's a situation where the rule book either needs to be redone or rewritten or readdressed, but it didn't have, didn't have to go to the point where, you know, we got into a, a scuffle in that sense. We, we don't need negativity in the sport uh, where we have momentum for positivity. So we need to keep it in that state. And I think uh, you coming on addressing that and confirming it. And obviously, like you said, you guys readdress yourselves and, and, and hand down harsher, uh, elements of the uh, probations and suspensions even more than what the league did. So that just shows to you that the organization exactly. is committed to proper play, right? Fundamentally sound ball 
and, uh, you know, giving the, the fans a good entertaining football game ultimately. Ultimately, I mean, and we have we do camps for young kids. We have a wide range of um, professionals on the team. We have some that just graduated high school. We have some that serve in the military. So we have a wide range age-wise. Somebody's 19, somebody's, you know, a little older. So we have all of that. And the last thing I want them to do is to bring their families out to a game and watch dirty play. But to even put another team in harm's way, that is not how we do. We play physical football. We don't play dirty football. All right, uh, Coach Tracy, uh, let's talk about the season. And let's uh, let's just since I got you here, let's let's fig- figure this out. Um, the goal is to go to to Canton. What an opportunity for you and your team to break into that playoff state and arrive in Ohio as one of the six teams to represent the WFA at this historic moment at uh, Tom Benson Stadium. You know, it's a great opportunity. Um, we have to do our due diligence here to make sure we are as prepared as possible to put a product on the field that's going to be competitive, you know, mentally strong to handle the situation. Uh, does it always pan out? No. I don't think there's anybody that's been undefeated. So you're going to take your bumps and bruises along the way. I don't take L's as losses. I take them as lessons. What can we learn from the situation? Uh, so the main thing is really not us getting ready for somebody else's team, but for us to be the best misfit team as we can be, put that on the field and see what happens. All right, Coach Tracy, you got Knoxville, Columbus to round up the season, and then uh, the Massey will decide as to, you know, where your playoff seating is going to be. But uh, you, so impressive, so, uh, beginning of the season against the Sizzle, 33-0. to zero. Uh, then you took on Huntsville, 35-0. Uh, defensively, you guys are playing really good ball. So can you call out any names that we should be made aware of for the next two weeks? Honestly, it's a collective group. I mean, I don't want to call one over the other because it's a collection. Uh, they play as one team. So I'm just going to say anybody with a Misfits jersey on is who you need to be looking out for. All right. Uh, offensively, you guys have done well. Uh, Jessica's done pretty well. Uh, you got Teresa, uh, Caitlin, uh, Lachey. So you, you've had some good success on, offensively in terms of the point total. So I think you're averaging almost 25 points a game. So do you feel comfortable there in terms of the last two weeks? And you're going to be, I, I'd say, in that, you know, ready for the playoffs offensively? I feel comfortable in the aspect that we are still – working things out. Uh, we are nowhere near where we want to be. And the fact is that ladies still come to practice and they're eager to learn. So we're, we haven't peaked yet at all. And that's the, and that's the uh, encouraging thing about this is that that isn't our best, that we still have room for growth and, and room for improvement. And I'm just excited uh, for that, I, I tell the ladies all the time that when it's game day, I have the best seat in the house. I'm ready to watch them play. You know, what we've done through off season, through mini camp, you know, all of that stuff is for that night. We're not looking ahead to the next team. We're not focused on the team we just played. It's the team of that night. I'm ready to watch y'all tonight. What are we going to do tonight? So I'm encouraged as to where we are. Um, new offense. Uh, from years past, so it's, so it's a new offense that they're learning, and I think they've grasped it pretty well. 
Coach Tracy, you said you played semi-pro ball. You uh, you obviously ref and a lot. And you're a, a, a an individual of many talents, from what I read on your bio. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, that also <laughs> is uh, a good thing, right? Because you got to be a coach, a counselor, and all that other stuff that comes into play. So uh, you got to be well-rounded in terms of in terms of that aspect. But uh, I, I do applaud um, you know your team, yourself, and and the reason I wanted to bring you on is so that you could speak on the matter publicly and coming from the source because, you know, I can, we can print out stuff, we can say things, uh, but it's always nice to have somebody and give us a, you know, a true perspective. And I, I just thought it would, you know, it'd be great to have you on and kind of give us the lowdown and the perspective of what happened there. And then anticipation here for the road to Canton. I really think uh, the last two games are winnable for you. Like you said, one game at a time, but I, I really do believe that that's going to be the case for you guys. You know, and, and I believe that case, um, I look past no team. Um, I'm under that any given Sunday notion that on any day you can you can, you can get it, you can lose. Um, so I, I never underestimate a team, and I, I teach that to the ladies, uh, me and the other coaches, the whole coaching staff, never underestimate your opponent. Um, don't take anything for granted. Still prepare as if it's the biggest game of the year, because it is. The biggest game is always the next game, um, and that's and that's just where we are. But, again, I want to thank you for allowing me uh, the platform uh, to speak on the issue. Uh, obviously, we didn't want to go back and forth on Facebook and social media because uh, it just gets uh, even more muddier. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about a fool and a wise man arguing. You don't know which one's the fool and which one's the wise man. And so we want to make sure we didn't get in that mud. Uh, we want to stay classy, and I think we did, and I think we are. And we're, I'm just ready for the season. Uh, see what happens. Yeah, I know. I really think that that's the case with a lot of things. Uh, you know, you just, you just have to wait and see. Uh, I think when you know when you have rulings and you have things that have to be addressed, you, sometimes we jump the gun too fast on anything. And social media is one of the worst things that, that happens, right? Because, like you said, everybody starts to just fire before they even assessed. <laughs> if you go to military exactly. state, you got to assess the enemy before you can throw it. And whether you want to fire, that's the question. Um, but overall, I think it's, it, it was just something that we needed to, you know, air out and bring in. And we discussed that last week in terms of the post, and I thought it was only fair to bring you on and kind of address it and speak to it yourself because that's the best source to come out of. So I, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, anything you want to tell the fans right now about Misfit? Uh, ball going on at, towards the last stretch here in the last two weeks? I'll say with us, um, if you're able to come, if you're in the neighborhood, you're in the area, uh, come out and watch some good football. Uh, you know, we have young ladies. They're passionate. They're fun. They are silly. They just love each other. You know, it's a sisterhood for them. I always, We always break down on family for the most part because that's what we are. You know, outside of football, that's what we do. You know, we lift each other up. Um, that's just That's just who we are. So not only women's uh, misfits football, but just women's football in general. If you're listening to this and you have not been to a women's game in your area, you need to go. I promise you, you need to go. It is some good football happening right now in the WFA, and you're missing out if you're not there. All right. Um, Coach uh, Tracy, thank you again. And you guys have your last home game is, uh, I believe, versus Columbus, right, if I'm correct? Yes, sir, correct. So that's uh, June 19th, and is the field still Lighthouse Christian? All right, so Lighthouse, yes, Christian, Lighthouse Christian on June uh, 19th, 
Uh, it would be Misfits versus Columbus Vanguards to finish off the WFA 2021 season. So uh, if you want to get tickets, it's musiccitymisfits.com. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Coach I mean, Tricky, you, thank you, you can, again you can, for the time. Hey, thank you again for the platform. Thank you. So, uh, safe travels, and we'll look forward to you uh, to the road to Canton. So we're really excited for your team to finish up strong here. Thank you. Should be a fun one. All right, guys, that was uh, Coach Tracy Logan. I wanted to bring him on because uh, sometimes we get into a situation on social media where we go back and forth uh, within politics, within other aspects that people throw out there instead of focusing on the topic. And uh, I thought it was only fair for us to bring in the Misfit City, uh, Misfit City Misfits, and who, not, who better to bring them in than the head coach of the team to address the fact that, you know, this is not a dirty team. This is not a cheap shot team. There's obviously players that can go out of bounds or not play within the fundamentals. But to his point, it was a situation that the league addressed it. They brought it down to his team, and they even did further severe suspension and probation. So, I mean, if you're, if you're Huntsville, if you're listening, obviously the team did take ownership of their own, and they addressed it even harsher than what the WFA rulebook would have been. So if there's an issue – with uh, that, at that point, it's just between Huntsville and the WFA leadership, which, you know, either the rule book needs to be re- readdressed because if it isn't a total tolerance mentality, then that's not really an issue with the organization in terms of Music City. It's more of an issue with uh, the Women's Football Alliance in general. So hopefully that, that's going to be the case. We don't go into legal matter and address that. But I really appreciate uh, Coach Tracy Logan's time coming in here, addressing Misfits uh, Ball and addressing the fact that that is not what they do, and that's not what their makeup is, and that's not what their organization stands for. So really awesome uh, to have him on. So I really appreciate his time. All right, guys. If you guys haven't gone to uh, Monkey Knife Fight, go to monkeyknifefight.com, MLB, NBA playoffs right now. you got PGA, whatever, MMA. If you want to go there, it's pretty simple. $5 free play on us. Go sign up. ...is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, go to Monkey Knife Fight, code NJF, and start it today, MLB. You can also get NBA. And if you haven't heard, Fridays, Fridays, every Friday, MLB Home Run Derby. If you play in the Derby, you get you, you choose the three players that homer that day. You're able to get uh, a prize pool uh, earnings and match up. Uh, last week we had two uh, two people that signed up got twenty five hundred dollars. They got three the three uh, home run batters. They got twenty five hundred dollars. So easy, quick. If you're intuitive, you're able to make really good money. So shut out and go. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. From our preparation to the way we perform to the way we shine. Expect greatness. Expect it from yourself. Expect it from your teammates. Expect it from this team. We fall. We kill. We eat. Hey, energy, emotion, play fast. Play for each other. That's it. Let's go get it. Here we go. Four, two, three, four, five, Hello? Jacksonville Dixie Blues. 
Coach Robinson, uh, Amber Twig, and Satevia Maple. How's it going today? Good. How are you? Going good. Good. Uh, I hope you guys are excited to be on because uh, getting featured internationally today. So I wanted to bring you on for the amazing 2021 season so far. We appreciate you having us on. All right. Yeah, thank um, you for the opportunity. No problem. Uh, let's start with the coach, Coach Robinson. Uh, what had what did change? Was it COVID that changed this whole team around, or what changed? I would just have to say, I guess, I wouldn't necessarily say COVID. I would just say from just a group of girls that are eager to learn and eager to play. What changed from you guys from 2019 to to 2021? Because I think it's a totally different team here in that sense. So uh, is it just the the off time? Like we were just talking to Coach Tracy of the Misfits where, you know, everybody got better in terms of fundamentals. They got they were, they were focusing on physicality and, you know, working out and things like that. Do you think that benefited you guys as well? I think I would say that's a small percentage of it. I think most of the percentage of it is the – camaraderie that was developed outside of football with these girls. So when you step on the field, when they step on the field, they're fighting for each other. Now, uh, it's been a hard start for you guys. 4-0, I don't think you guys had a 4-0 season in, in, in your history, if I'm correct. Am I wrong? Correct. So how, does that, um, how do you speak to that today, uh, this, this whole year? I mean, you guys started off pretty good, um, you know, against Daytona the first week, and then you guys uh, tough battle against Carolina in week two. You guys uh, took care of business against um, the Fury, which everybody anticipated that was going to be more of a Miami win, but you guys obviously put up 20 points there. Um, 46 points against Orlando. What a, what a battle against Orlando. Uh, Coach Robinson, let's speak to that one. 46-40. Uh, Orlando off a of bye week and it comes comes in and then you guys go right there to Orlando um, and take care of business on the road. I think that whole game was was a was a, a grind for us. Um, I think what most people understand is the first the first week was our bye week, so we've been we've been pushing hard for four or five weeks straight every game. So that game, that game was a grind. It was a good game. It was a learning experience for for the girls, and they persevered in the end. And you had two tough, two tough battles. Uh, the Carolina battle was also pretty good in terms of uh, competitive six to zero win right there. Um, defensively, it looks like you guys uh, were pretty good for the first three weeks, and then all of a sudden here against uh, Orlando, it was pretty much a competitive back and forth. I think I think defensively I think well football period your job is your job is to find the weak link of the other team. <laughs> um you find the weak link and you expose it. Um I think we've we we've we've bent but just like bamboo we bend but we didn't break. Looking forward to uh the last weekend with uh, the inferno. You got to see firsthand the probably the top team in D1 next to Boston uh, in that regard. So um, it, it was a 35-0 to zero loss. 
what do you take away from that game? Uh, you guys get to face them again on June 19th. I think from that game, there's a lot to be taken away. They were that game. We 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 presented ourselves with a lot of mistakes that were hard to overcome. So we're going to watch the film, see where we went wrong, and correct where we went wrong, and go in and come out with a W on the next meeting. I don't think it was anything spectacular that Tampa presented us with that we shouldn't have been prepared for. Was it a tough battle in that sense strategically, or was it just something like you said, it was just self-mistakes on your part or too many? I think it's, I think it's more mistakes on our part. What people don't realize also is we're dressing 13, 14 rookies. And I'm talking about girls who've never played this sport before. So every single game is a learning experience. Every, mm-hmm. uh, I know if you look at the stats, you'll see that penalty-wise we're leading. So it, it, it's always continuous learning experience of, okay, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. So, like I said, I think it was, we put ourselves in the hole and it was hard to get ourselves out of it. And Coach Robinson, you've been uh, you've been in this uh, sport for a long time and a, a team against, you know, like a Boston or a Tampa Bay or things like that at a higher level with a bigger roster and you, you 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 start to do that to yourself, shooting yourself in the foot, you're you're never gonna overcome, right? That's correct. That's correct. Well like I said, I don't even it doesn't matter if the team has fifty, sixty players on their sideline. Most of the time when they have fifty, sixty players on their sideline, there's only maybe I don't know, fifteen or twenty that have true skill set that can be detrimental to you as a player on the team. So I'm not knocking what Tampa has on their sideline or anything like that. Um, they have some good athletes over there. But as a whole, I think we have what we have on our sideline to beat them regardless of how many numbers they have on their sideline. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just strategy overall. But if you don't shoot yourself in the foot, you give yourself a better opportunity. Um, Amber, let's talk to you. Uh, how has the season been so far for you? Uh, the season's been pretty good. Um, definitely a learning experience, you know. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of mistakes, a lot of success. Um, but altogether, I think it's been pretty great. All right, how's that line keeping you upright, or are they not? Because that's, that, as I say, they're not going to pick up dinner if they're not picking you upright. Uh, that line is doing uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, from our record, you know, uh, 4-0, that we were holding so strong that and no one had faith in us, you know, that line definitely did their job. Um, and they did an outstanding job at that. All right. Any, anything that you, for the next two weeks, because we're looking at the stretch, everybody wants to go to Canton and that's everybody's goal right now is to, you know, arrive at uh, Tom Benson stadium and be competitive and be the last six teams to represent the WFA in every division. So, you guys get Tampa to finish here. Um, if you get a loss here, it's not going to be such so detrimental to you guys, but I'm, I'm assuming you want to be as competitive as possible for the last game. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, with that, you know, it just comes with the good communication and uh, the bond that the team has. And so thus far, I think, you know, we've, we've done fantastic at that. And I have no doubt that we'll get where we need to get. Um, and if we don't, you know, go home, you know, number one, I definitely think, you know, we'll be a definitely a very competitive team in the future. 
as a leader of this team this year, do you feel like this was uh, more pressure for you, or do you feel like Coach Robinson said having some rookies and everything else, the learning process here, do you feel like this is this was good for you too as a leader? Absolutely. I mean, you know, coming in, you know, with a bunch of rookies and me included, um, it definitely – definitely has been a learning experience. You know, I've learned a lot of great things. And uh, I think, you know, this team, um, myself, you know, coach, uh, you know, with a couple of vets that we have can go nowhere but up, um, keep striving, you know, keep, you know, stay goal-oriented. And and pretty soon, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be right where we need to be. Um, Amber, Let's talk about that game against Orlando because, I mean, that's uh, 46 points up there, and they put up 40 on you guys. Uh, any pressure during that game, or did, were you just like, okay, we got, we, we, we can do this, we can win this? Because I know sometimes you get into that grind with the, in the fourth quarter, and you're like, man, can we pull this off? But can you speak to that game? Uh, actually, I wasn't actually there for that game, but, uh, you know, uh, my backup quarterback definitely did a great job. You know, she's fantastic. Um, and, you know, definitely the team, you know, sticking together and, you know, having each other's back out there. You know, we can't move the ball without the line. Um, and, you know, they did their job. They did absolutely fantastic at it. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that game, um, you know, definitely speaks for itself, speaks that we are definitely here to make an impression, and we've done that. All right, Amber, you're, and you're talking about your backup quarterback. Would, would that be Brittany? Yes, absolutely. So Brittany shined against Orlando because I think – I haven't watched film on you guys in that game, but I heard everybody else giving me comments about how it was a pretty pretty grueling matchup. So I uh, want to give, I guess, Brittany a shout-out, Brittany, for playing awesome ball on against Orlando then. Absolutely, absolutely. Well-deserved. All right. Um, so let's see here. Uh is it uh, – I want to pronounce your – I think I pronounced your name correctly, right? Jantivia? Did I say it right? No, it's just J. It's just J. Is it Jen? Oh, J. Okay, J. let's just go with J. Then. Yep. Okay, so J, uh, tell us a little bit about the season as well, since uh, Coach Robinson and uh, Amber spoke to it. What, what's your perception so far of Dixie Blue uh, football so far in, in this uh, 2021? So coming into this season, I didn't have big expectations, to be honest. But just like Coach said, we have about 13 rookies who have never played the sport before. They're all learning, and they're developing greatly. So the fact that we went 4-0 and this season is amazing. These girls have meshed so well together, and we've gelled and just come together and handled business. So are these babies for you? Are some of these people babies, yeah, you're, like, babies, taking them but... along and <laughs> – yeah, they're all my babies. Yeah, myself and a few other vets like uh, Zay Carter, Portia Robinson, and a few others, we've all been here to help out and support the rookies in any way we can and try to guide them in the right direction. And it's worked out so far, I believe. So, Jay, uh, uh, were you shocked at the when they got their first real hits in week one? Uh it's always fun to see them react, right? And then they kind of just wake up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, first play, kickoff, I wanted to be on the sidelines to watch the rookies 
get their first hit. So when they came back to the sideline, I could point and laugh at them because you can only speak so much. But when you get that first hit, that's when everything <laughs> comes into full view. So I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And they surprised me. No one quit. They got that first hit, and they all got up and was like, I want some more. Yeah, and it's a fun fun experience, especially when you have a majority of the team is rookies. And then, you know, it's like uh, Coach said, it's a, it's kind of a learning curve week to week, and you're able to kind of assess that, and they kind of start to learn film and get into that motion. Um, Coach, I, have you been doing more coaching this year than any other year, or is it just similar the same? Or how does your roster build up year to year? Is it is it a 50-50, or is it this year totally different than other years? I would say this year because, like I say, the the vast amount of rookies that we have and the the little knowledge that they have, I've been doing a lot more coaching um, this year than I have in years past. Um, I watch myself on film sometimes because I'm, I'm, I, I play also. So sometimes I watch myself I'm, I'm on the field when I'm supposed to be doing something and I'm coaching. I have to catch myself and be like, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing another role right now. So uh, you have that mindset, as uh, people tell me, you got a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 18-year-old. So in a football stage, you have to reset yourself in every stage pretty much, right? Yes, yes. I've definitely, I've definitely had to – I mean, patience is a thing that I value for myself. I've just – this season I've had to find even more patience. Like I say, um, the penalties – if you look at the stats, we're, we're leading in penalties, and I have to, I have to take that in stride. Um, I'm pretty sure some of my players will tell you at that moment I'm probably not taking it in stride, but in my mind I am taking it in stride. All right, so you're a passionate person and uh, a lot of caffeine. Is that where you're kind of assessing with yourself? <laughs> um, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a, I'm not, not really a, not a high caffeine person like that. It's just, it's just my natural passion for for winning. I want to win, and uh, I tell the, I tell them all the time. I tell that actually, I shouldn't even call them girls. I should call them ladies because that's what they are. They're women. I tell them all the time. I'm, I'm gonna do everything that I possibly can to draw out any little small incremental talent potential for talent that they have. I'm gonna do everything that I can to draw it out of them. And I think that's unique in a lot of ways for the sport. Um, how many years did you play, Coach Robinson, in terms of the sport yourself? I've been playing since 2008. All right. So you are still playing, and you're player player coach at this point, or are you just strictly coaching? Player, player coach. I'm probably going to be one of those players that will be on the field with a walker talking about passing me the ball. Okay. Well, we don't need that. But we don't want that for you. Uh, that's not a cool thing. Uh, but okay, so you, you so you understand the ups and downs. And um, so, what do you feel like right now? You think we've arrived in terms of visibility? You see, you know, you see Katie Sowers, you get Callie Branson, you see Lori Locus, uh, you see the WFA in front and center with big sponsors. Um, you know, you've been playing a long time. Did, you know, did you even feel we're gonna we would be at this stage at this point? Absolutely. I have no doubt that there's going to continue to be growth with women's football 
across across the world. Um, you got to look at other sports also. I mean, you have the WNBA. They it took some time for them to come to come about and to come into fruition of what they are now. It just takes time and it takes patience and it takes understanding of what goes on behind the scenes. You know, you get a lot of people that speculate on how things should be ran on or how things should be done or what moves should be made. But until you're, until you're in that room behind that closed door and you see for yourself what goes on logistically, you just sit back and you do your part in the community to get the the brand out there and to get the title out there. Uh, Coach, do you feel like this year is uh, successful or do you want to, just finish the season first before we even claim success. I'm a, I'm a one game at a time type person. Right now our mindset is June 19th, and that's where our mindset will continue until June 20th. Uh, on the schedule, Coach, uh, is that made by the ownership in combination with yourself in terms of making the schedule against Miami, against Tampa, against Orlando in that Florida swing because it's pretty competitive Florida swing, Division Two competition. I heard it from a lot of coaches and a lot of owners before. It's like we, we just want to play the highest level of competition because then we'll know what our benchmark is. No, I, I trust the league in, putting, in presenting us with the best schedule that they possibly can present us with. Um they have yet to put us in the schedule to where we haven't been at to be able to present ourselves in a competitive level, even in years past when it wasn't in our favor. I would say the league did a very good job of presenting ourselves with the opportunity to be competitive. Um, it's not the league's job to make us stand out. It's our job to stand out with what we're presented with. So I think they did a very good job of putting us where we need to be and also looking at things financially, um, like you said, we don't get paid for this. So it'd be, it, it wouldn't be too feasible to have us traveling so many different great places, so many different weeks, and still turn around and be available for a playoff. Right. Um, you looking forward to maybe the road to Canton at this point, or – you're looking at the opportunity to even be there. Pretty historic moment, don't you think, uh, when they announced that and they said, hey, five years at Tom Benson Stadium in the, you know, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium and near that. Um, what, what did you think of that announcement when it came out? I thought it was an amazing job that the league did to secure that. Um, I mean, if, if, you, if you love football, you understand what it is to be in the presence of the Hall of Fame um, people in that in that city to have the opportunity to feisty, as you can say. So I think the league did an amazing job. I will say, you know, with my girls, I did present them with the date, and I did tell them to mark it on their calendar. And I know you did. It's probably circled somewhere, too, uh, the anticipation to get there. You want to be there. Um, it's pretty historic. Whoever arrives there, the six teams that arrive in Canton, can be pretty historic uh, memory, you know what I mean, to, for the overall scope of the branding, the overall scope of the sport, um, and all that. Um, so we are looking at uh, June 19th, and that uh, is going to be Terry Parker High School, if I'm correct? That is correct. Okay, so and that's going to be you're hosting the uh, Tampa Bay Inferno for the last game of the season. So tickets available at uh, DixieBluesFootball.com. 
Correct. And uh, what's the ticket price? Is that is it ten dollars or what's the price yes. on the ticket? Yes, tickets are ten dollars. Ten and under are free. All right. Uh, any restrictions on COVID? It's open. It's everybody can come in. Obviously, if you're vaccinated or things like that, are you guys making you know separate ses- uh, sections or does it matter at this point? No, we don't. We have. We have masks available if people feel comfortable, if they want to wear a mask or they forgot their mask, we will have masks available for them. The stadium is marked off with uh, six feet increments, so it's plenty of seating available and still be socially distanced to come in and have fun and be socially distanced and take your mask off and still have fun. So at this point, I would say as far as COVID restrictions, we don't have any. We It's pretty marked off for social distancing. All right. Um, so we we have to wait for Massey ratings. Is that like panic puts panic on you for the playoff seedings, or does it matter to you at all? No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me at all. Like I said, we're focused on June nineteenth and June twentieth. We'll look ahead, and whatever comes up June twentieth, whatever comes about, we'll we'll prepare for that, and we'll be ready for June twenty sixth. All right. So great job this. Uh, Season coach, I wanted to bring you on to give you props and a shout out to your team because you guys have done a tremendous job uh, in terms of the you know the season so far. Um, Amber, any last words for the fans that want to show up on June nineteenth? Uh, well, first and foremost, you know, thank you for supporting us. You know, thank you for coming out. You know, taking time out of y'all's day, um, and just be ready for a show. All right, Jay. With any any. Uh, Anything for the fans on June 19th against the Inferno? Um, same thing as Amber said. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, show up prepared to watch us fight and be ready to cheer us on because we're going to give it our all. And we need you guys in the back to help us out. All right. Coach Robinson, any last words for the fans when they show up on the 19th? Yeah, when they show up on the 19th, I want them to know, look out look out for Alex, look out for Lowe, look out for Jay, look out for Britt, look out for Callie, look out for Danielle, Erica, Haley, J- uh, look out for Jazz, look out for Chris, look out for Porsche, look out for Toya, look out for Mina, look out for Sid, look out for Tisha, look out for Callie, look out for X, and look out for Twig, look out for Rosario to be on the sideline making calls, look out for Ferb, and look out for Frank on the sideline, helping out, keeping the girls motivated. Look out for our volunteers doing things that they need to do to keep the game moving. All right. So I'm kind of excited to see uh, what the next uh, classic with the Inferno was going to be. But uh, looking forward to the Massey ratings, see where Dixie Blue football lands, and uh, hopefully that will be an opportunity for you guys to go to the road to Canton. So, Coach Robinson, thank you again. Um, And uh, Amber, appreciate it. Jay, so uh, shout out to you guys and your Thank squad, you. and uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully you guys will be in the dance for the road to Canton. Thank you. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you. All right. Have a great night, guys. Me you too. too. All right, guys. That was uh, Dixie Blues, uh, Amber uh, Twig, and Jay Maple, plus uh, Coach um, Robinson in the house talking Dixie Blues football. And let's continue the talk here uh, about the WFA Week 7 matchup 
And who better to do that than obviously our own Brian Sweeney for For the Fans. So let's get the lowdown there. Hey, football fans, Brian Sweeney, voice of the Women's Football Alliance National Championship, and the season comes down to the next two weeks. This week, after getting their first loss of the season, the Arlington Impact will head west to battle the reigning American Conference champions, the Cali War. This past weekend, we had a chance to look at the playoff structure for the Division One, Two, II, and Three in the WFA, and Division One should be pretty exciting to watch. Boston, currently at 4-0, should start the playoffs with a bye before hosting the winner of the 5-0 Tampa and 1-2 D.C. Divas game. On the other side of the bracket, 4-1 Cali War will either see a second matchup within three weeks with the 4-1 Arlington Impact or their first look at the 2-2 Dallas Elite Mustangs. The 4-0 Minnesota Vixen will then receive a visit from the other Texas Division I team in the first round. As of now, conference championships will run through Minnesota and Boston. There's only two weeks left of the regular season, and we will get to see all four teams on the left side of the Division I bracket still on the games of the week. Follow For the Fans HQ on Twitter and Instagram to find out where you can watch the impact at war. And remember to follow the Women's Football Alliance on all social media platforms. Tickets are available to the National Championship Weekend July 23rd and 24th in Canton, Ohio by heading to www.hofvillage.com and clicking on events. This is Brian Sweeney, Mr. Underscore Announcer Guy, and I'll talk to you next week. ...is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget to go to Monkey Night Fight. Use code NJF. Get started today. Free play Fridays, home derby. So don't miss it. NBA playoffs all week long. So check it out. Monkey Night Fight. NJF is your code to get hooked up. So let's uh, bring in the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in the house. and let's So we can dissect the WFA and the WNFC for week four. Five and week six and seven coming up here. So, Mark, how's it going? Awesome, Oscar. How are you? I'm ecstatic and excited for the last two weeks of the season, Mark. This is uh, coming down to the uh, crunch time. You're right. You know, uh, this is the point in the season where um, teams are getting ready for their playoff run and or, you know, they're they're trying to get into the playoffs. It's time to show – it's time to show up and um, – uh, start playing the best football of the year. Let's start. Uh, let's start in the WFA because I think that was pretty uh, important for for the week. Uh, so we start off Sin City. Uh, shout out to my girl out there, uh, Lexi DeMeo, our Nojo football athlete. They take down the Outcasts, and so twenty-four to six, a uh, great win by the Trojans after a tough start. Absolutely. I mean, they they had a rough go of it this season. And uh, last week we we said that this is a this is a game that you know they they gotta they have to get because um, you know they've just had a hard hard time winning and they 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 got it against the Arizona Outcast uh, held them to six points and that's a team that just a few weeks ago you know put you know hung seventy seven up on the board something like that so that's a team that can score that was a re- so this is a really good win for the Trojans. They were going to be come out a little bit more competitive, but uh, defensively, uh, the Trojans did contain the high high-powered uh, outcast. So, you know, shout out to uh, Lexi. I believe she had 
really good air air game and a run game from what I saw from the highlights. So she was just all over the place, and she put up a 24-6, to six, so a really good win for them. Uh, Baltimore, we talked about how Baltimore needed to really get this win against Richmond, and Richmond almost, uh, towards the late fourth quarter, almost was, was going to be able to pull it off, but they did not. So 25-16 was the final. Yeah, I mean, it was a competitive game, and, um, you know, for for what it's worth, um, even though Richmond lost, they're, they're not completely out of the playoff picture just yet. Uh, I, I think uh, having a competitive game against a fairly highly ranked team in Baltimore uh, has helped them in the, um, the Massey ratings, and, uh, you know, it, it's still a long shot for them to get into the playoffs, but if if some things happen uh, next week, you know they they could be they could be back into it. Uh, but the one thing that that has to happen next week, not to jump ahead, is they have to win their game, which is against the New York yeah. knockout. Yeah, they got it. They they cannot play down to New York. Um, I think uh, Sherry Anderson and uh, Alicia Owensford they've been playing pretty good ball all season. So they they got to stick to the to the uh, you know run game if possible. Um, I really think that they got to dive in and uh, really muster up, and they got they can't afford to lose any more games. They they really at our crucial stage where every game every game is a must win for them. But it was definitely a good start here now for them to, uh, you know, have a competitive game against the Nighthawks. They just got to pull out a win next week and uh, then let the chips fall where they're made. That's their last game of the season against um, the Knockout, and and if they can win that, then you know maybe maybe they'll have. Uh, a slot in the playoffs. Yeah, the other game we we, we talked about was a Derby DDA, and the uh, the Angels had beaten them previously in the last couple of weeks at nine to zero on the road. They lose, and now they came to Derby, and so uh, set fourteen to seven. Uh, the Dark Angels fall to Derby. So, a uh, pretty impressive win by Derby. Uh, definitely, and, and um, I had said last week that you know they're on you know they're on the dynamite's turf and I, I wondered if it would you know make a difference and and so the dynamite won so so maybe home field advantage was at play um but i certainly know that the dynamite uh, earned earned that win in in every way so i'm i'm sure they're very excited that's a very big win for them to to get a victory against a division 2 team and not just a division 2 team but a division 2 team who is expected by many to reach the championship game. So um, the flip side of that, you know, you have to you have to start asking questions about the Angels a little bit. Um, you know, this again, this is the time of year where you've got to start playing your best football. And uh, for a team that is expected to reach the Division Two championship, um, you know, can't you know, they should be able to to win that game? But they didn't. And I'm sure I'm sure there are certain reasons why, but those reasons really they just don't matter anymore. It's it's time to start uh, start being dominant. So well, it doesn't hurt that you have start Buckner. being dominant. You can't. It doesn't hurt that you have Buckner, who who who's a multi-talented facet on in terms of the passing game and the running game. So it doesn't hurt that you have some legs there in terms of the, at a quarterback position for Derby. So that that could have been the difference maker there. It was 14 to seven, so it wasn't like. They got blown out, but, uh, you know, Derby obviously did come to play, to your point, and uh, Detroit really needs to, 
you know, start to win these close games, uh, especially with the last two weeks of the season remaining. Yeah, um, you know, they they get Boston next, so um, that's that's. What are you pretty... saying, Mark? What are you saying right here, Boston? Panic. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough game. That's gonna be a tough game for them to win, and, but that and that's their last game of the season of the regular season, um, and then it's the playoffs. So. If you're kind of backing into the playoffs, that's not how you want to go into the playoffs. You don't want to go into the playoffs uh, with two losses. It's just it's not ideal. I'm not saying that uh, Detroit can't, you know, turn it around and, and, you know, win games in the playoffs. I think they can. But, you know, they're just not putting themselves in the best position to, to, uh, to win. That's all I can say, really. So they're going to be on the outside looking in, to your point. Is that what you're saying right now? So uh, Michaela Hilton and uh, Clarissa told us they're going to be on the outside looking in. So they really need to, uh, you know, get ready to see where they land in terms of the Massey, the final result for the Massey, and whether whether they're going to land in that playoff position and and who they're going to face. Well, I mean, Detroit, Detroit I mean, because of the sort of the, the lack of teams um, in Division Two. I mean, their their position in the playoffs is pretty secure. All right, they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're essentially going to be the top seed in the national conference. So, so that stacks up for them, right? And they they know that. Um, but you know, when you get to the championship game, you're going to be facing a team like maybe Nevada. You know, and. You know, if you haven't been playing your best football and then you face a team like Nevada, then they might stomp your guts out. So I just I haven't seen any I haven't seen anything from Detroit that shows me that they're living up to their potential. Like where's the beef? You know? Where's the beef? So yeah, I wanna see it. Offensively they're not top ranked, they're in the middle of the pack and defensively they're somewhat top five, so they still have potential. I don't think they'll compete I don't think they will compete well against Boston. Uh, just the fact that, like I said, so talented, the champs are there. Um, and I, I think that's just a, a learning curve for them. It's a testing game for them in terms of a playoff mentality if they take it into that stride against Boston. Uh, hopefully they will put up some points this time around, and hopefully they will you know, be a competitive in some sense. But uh, we all know what the, uh, you know, the Renegades bring to the table. So at this point it's just a matter of playing a competitive game for the final week yeah. and then getting ready for that, you know, the playoff round. Absolutely. I mean, if they, I think they have anything in their hip pocket, it's, it's their health. If they go into the uh, playoffs healthy, um, and I think this is a lot uh, to do with the season that they're having so far is maybe, maybe, you know, they're trying to preserve their health or regain the health of some of their players. Um, if they have their health going to the uh, playoffs, well, that's their case scenario. All right, uh, the other battle was between Mama High and OKC, and all year I've been you know, saying, hey, these Lady Force team coming from the, uh, you know, their previous league, they were top-notch, top and I really think the next year I think they'll probably be bumped to D2, but uh, competitive matchups between Mama High and OKC on, in both uh, matches, and 8-0 to zero was the result here. So, you know, uh, they've played really well, and this was a tough game for Mama High to kind of squeeze by. 
Yeah, it, it seemed like they gutted it out. And, you know, Oklahoma City, they they really seem to to rise to the challenge. I mean, this is a this was a, a, a close, tough game. I think the Blaze really needed to really needed to have that game. Um, just at the point of of this of the season where you're you're getting ready for your your playoff run, and and so the Blazer now you know they're four and zero. They beat Oklahoma City twice, which is um, in in two yeah, two very close games. Uh, first game was fourteen to six, so also an eight point margin. But now the Blaze they get to take on um, Rocky Mountain and then finish up against uh, Sin City. Uh, which I'm not sure if um, there's a possibility that they'll face each other in the playoffs, but it looks like Sin City is um, kind of still still in the bracket. Mile High is definitely in the bracket. Um, uh, yeah, big big win for for Mile High. Yeah, Smooth Laurie Jones. I mean, she's been playing pretty good ball all season as well. So we got to give her a shout out out there, and uh, she's done a great job so far. Um, Shay Watson as well, Amber Amber Howard, uh, K-Mac always bringing it. Elizabeth K-Mac always brings it. Um, so they got a good squad there. It's just a matter, like you said, finishing off strong. Rocky Mountain, I mean, they're, they're pretty competitive. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, you know, wouldn't be shocked if something where a victory comes out that way. Uh, they've always played pretty good ball, especially uh, in terms of an in-state rivalry. Uh, finishing against Sin City, I, I agree with you. I think. Uh, that's going to be a preview of a playoff, you know, a, a, maybe a playoff matchup once uh, once they get past the last week. All right, uh, let's break it down here. Capital Pioneers quietly, uh, you know, having a great season here, and they take down uh, PDX 15 to 14. So that was a yeah, that they're was off. A pretty impressive game. They're off to a five and zero start. Are the Pioneers, which is really very impressive. Um, you know, I can't think of any team, a new team in recent memory that, that started out 5-0. and um, uh, But I do remember some teams from quite a long time ago who did. Um, uh, the, the famed Detroit Danger in their first season went undefeated and won the, the NWFL championship. Now, I'm, I'm not comparing the two teams by any stretch of the imagination, but I am saying that it is pretty impressive for a new team to come out five and zero to start the season, and it's kind of looking like their regular season may be undefe- undefeated. Uh, the Pioneers take on the Seattle Spartans next, whom they defeated forty-four to nothing in their first meeting. Um, so chances are good for an undefeated regular season for the Pioneers. What a victory for them to take down PDX twice in the season. It was 6-0, to zero, a victory. This is starting to be a rivalry uh, mentality. You know what I mean? A rivalry setting. Uh, first year, well, but I know... They're next you know, neighbors, kind of, too. Right? The yeah. Pioneers are out of Salem, which, which is you know basically the next town over from Portland. So um, uh, we, can, we can look forward in, uh, to seeing many, many... Uh, uh, hard-fought matches in the future. All right, let's give a shout-out to the QB out there, Elizabeth Meza, playing some good ball, uh, leading her squad here to an impressive early season, uh, inaugural season for them. Maribel Gomez, 
uh, Willalee, Missouri, uh, Elise Gutierrez, uh, Jennifer Kennedy. Uh, so shout out to the squad there as well, including uh, you know the nice receiving uh, core of um, Catherine Gilton and Elise Gutierrez as well. So sh- shout out to the Pioneers for a big win against one of the you know uh, teams. Uh, you know, classic teams in the WFA, which is uh, the Portland Shockwave. Indeed, congrats to the Pioneers. All right, uh, Mark, uh, Sun, uh, Sun City uh, takes down uh, Rocky Mountain. Pretty pretty big class there, 35-28, competitive matchup, back and forth, good offensive uh, game, high, you know, in terms of offenses. Uh, impressed with the stealth so far this year? Uh, yeah, pretty impressed. Uh, you know, they're uh, they have two wins on the season. So on the field, like it's their first season. They have they have two victories. You know, Oscar. You, you know, you and I have been watching, following this uh, league and women's football for a long time, and we know that a lot of inaugural teams go without a win. Lots of them, most of them. Mm-hmm. So, so this is definitely. Uh, definitely showing that um, they have a good uh, foundation to build on it in terms of players who can be coached and uh, take the game seriously and uh, rise to the occasion when uh, they're on the football field. And it's really just a matter now of just making sure the logistical business side aspect of running an operating team are, are sound. So, um, I am impressed with the, the Sun City Stealth this season, and um, I I hope they continue to make it work. Um, it's it's great to have um, uh, football there. No, and I think it's a, it's going to be nice because they're in the same boat in that area that uh, La Muerte is in the state, in that little city. Everybody, this is the team, their team. Um, so you know, we want to give a shout out to uh, Jasmine Casada, who's a QB out there. Uh, pretty good rushing attack for them. Kim Kimmel, uh, Jasmine Consada, Alexis Singleton. Um, you also have uh, uh, Stephanie Aragon, Victoria Suarez on defense, Brady Ford. Uh, so we want to give a shout-out to them. I think a, a wake-up call for them uh, was more than likely was that battle that they had. Uh, they were, um, I think, week one against uh, Mile High. As you said, historic, pretty much over 100 points combined. Um, but, you know, this win against uh, Rocky Mountain really proves that, they, you know, they can finish strong here. Uh, if they get the win against Rio Grande, they're, they're obviously going to finish somewhat at 500. So it's a pretty good season for the first year. Absolutely. Outstanding season, um, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's one thing, yeah. It, it, you're going to take your lumps usually when you're a first-year team, and um, the South have taken their lumps uh, playing some pretty tough teams. Uh, but they won the games uh, that certainly that they were expected to be at least competitive in. So that that definitely shows us something. Um, it's uh, it's an exciting. Uh, it's going to be an exciting first year. Um, I know they'll look back on this first year with a lot of pride. Oh yeah, for sure, um, Mark. So uh, you took Minnesota and I took Arlington. Just to just to be on the opposite side, which was a mistake on my part because I got called out on Twitter by Coach Matson of the Vixen. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> oh. you know, apparently I, I didn't tout them as high powered, 
and he turns around and sends me this. Uh, what do, What do you think of my our forty nine points? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been called out like that before, and um, um, always um, usually deserve it, and you know always take it in good stride, as I know you do. Um, it was a, uh, you know, it was a, a game. It was a game. <laughs> what can I say? It's uh, I suppose a bit surprising. I, I think just the way the thing the the game happened, it sort of happened to Arlington, like. Um, before they knew it, they were down 14 points, and it, you know, quickly in the game. And when you're down 14 points early in the game, it gets you out of your game. Like, I understand, you know, I, the Vixen do have, like, a high-performing offense, and they showed that. Um, but I don't think Arlington quite showed what they're made of. I think they're better when, than what we actually saw in that game. I think they were just a bit stunned at the beginning um, and then couldn't recover, and things just kind of steamrolled on them. But if you, you, know, if you look at the stats, like um, on the offensive side of the ball, the impact are you know, third in yardage in Division I. Um, so they're no slouches. They can get yards. They can move the ball. Um, we just didn't really – we just didn't see that happen. Um, well, I can tell game. you right now, a lot of containment on Ricks, um, and then obviously they held down Thomas, and they cut away at the at the passing game. Very, very, very good. So defensively, they just shut them down offensively. That's really what happened. And then on the other side, they just had no answer for Cooper, right? Just no answer for Cooper. And then they were, you know – they just they just didn't. So that's literally what happened there. Yeah, I, I mean, Minnesota definitely showed that they're uh, they're, they're the team to beat uh, in the American Conference for D one. Um, you know, they they showed a, that they have a complete game. Um, all three phases uh, they uh, executed well, and that on a big stage too, knowing that you know this is sort of televised nationally. So. Um, They've definitely uh, strengthened their their position uh, heading into the playoffs. Yeah, Aaron. Uh, Aaron just she's almost like Cahill. <laughs> Once he gets going, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Uh, and then you got Cooper, so talented, almost at the st- same stage as uh, Adrian Smith, right? So why not crush them when you're when you can? You you have to have a you have to have a killer at quarterback. You don't have a killer at quarterback, you know. You're, it's going to be hard to win games. So um, that's that's the kind of uh, you know operation they're running. So um, it it results in a lot of points and a lot of yeah, points was, wins a lot between between Cooper and Sagula and Barber as her weapons. I mean, this is. Uh, about the closest thing you can get to a Boston team right now in terms of a, not so much of a mirror image, but in terms of an offensive, you know, uh, output. Um, they played pretty well, and they will need that type of play that they played against Arlington if they want to, you know, compete at the level with the Renegades. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. Um, you're right on, you know. They have to, they have to function highly in, in all those three phases of the game and just, I, I suppose – give other teams no choice, like no options, because they have so many weapons uh, that 
that can't be stopped. Yeah, so uh, Coach uh, Matt, uh, I, I eat my words, okay? You have a high-powered offense. I'll take that back. <laughs> and he listens to the show, so I know he's listening. So uh, thank you for listening I know, to the show good, as well. I know, that's a compliment. At least, you know, <laughs> at least you, know, you know he's listening to your show. Yeah, no, he, he's like, yeah, high-powered offense, I gave it to you. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so, uh Mark, let's go to week seven before we go WNFC, uh, week seven. And then um, let, I said earlier, uh, r- uh, the River City, River City Sting won the USWSFL championship against um, Tri-City Thunder, 21-15. That's right, result, congratulations. So. so let's go into week uh, seven uh, in terms of the for the fans. Cali against Arlington at this point. Um, it's going to be a great matchup. This is, uh, I would say, a must-win for Impact if they want to do something in terms of just of finishing the season strong or, you know, Cali war at the same time, I sort of must win for both teams, I guess, if you want to consider the, the stretch down the road here, just to finish strong. Right. I mean, when you, if you consider the Masseys, you know, um, both of these teams want to, want to um, improve their, their position. Um, you know, Minnesota's in the driver's seat uh, as far as the Massey goes in the, uh, American Conference, um, but so so the rest of it is really just sort of um, seeding, um, and it, it's a matter like this game has not really an impact on who plays who in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure uh, Arlington's going to be in. Pretty sure Cali's going to be in. Well, I, I know Cali's going to be in, but we don't know who Cali who Cali or Minnesota will play. It's going to be either Arlington or Dallas. We just don't know the seeding yet. So this game is going to have an impact on it. And so this could be a preview of a playoff matchup. Um, I know, you know, Arlington, you know, after taking that loss last week, I mean, you know, they want to go to Cali and just stomp on them. Uh, and by the same token, you know, Cali is, I mean, Cali, you know, had a, a pretty tough loss um, a couple of weeks ago against the storm. And so I think they want to have this opportunity to show that like that they're not, they're not weaker or anything like that. So they're going to want to stomp on Arlington. I think this is a great, so, you know, selection for the game of the week. I, I think this is going to be a very hard fought game. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I think it's going to be a battle. No, I doubt. I, I don't doubt it's going to be a battle. This is this is going to be a really good uh, matchup to, for us to see. So hopefully it's it's a competitive matchup and not a blowout like we've had last week. So that would be an awesome. You know, even though we enjoyed the Minnesota performance on offense, it'd be nice to kind of showcase some competitive ball. You know what I mean? So hopefully yes. that's what we get. Um, we also had um, for the other one we're keeping an eye on is Miami Orlando. That's going to be uh, in the Florida swing. So it's, uh, I think, more of a must-win for Orlando than Miami. So hopefully, you know, uh, they get their win here down the stretch. The uh, the Mile High Blaze will be taking on Rocky Mountain, which is the battle right there in terms of Denver. So uh, Mile High has already pretty much secured their playoff positioning. Uh, Rocky, Rocky Mountain is, you know, something of an upset here if they, even, if they can even muster uh, a win against Mile High. Yeah, uh, it things have been in uh, the Blazers' favor for the last few years. 
but you can never sort of rule out an in-state rivalry. Um, those games always end up being fought a little bit, little bit harder than um, sort of uh, regional matchups. So, uh, but the Blaze definitely have the upper hand in this one. All right. The other key game I'm going to be watching for is uh, two other games that we can, we can keep an eye on is uh, Richmond versus New York Knockout. That's in the D- Division Three realm of things. Um, and uh, Knockout's impressive season so far. Pretty pretty good season for them. Come out right out of the blocks and impressive. Um, and then we have PDX. Can they rebound off that top loss against the Pioneers taking on the Nevada Storm? Yeah, well, good luck with the storm. Um, if Portland um, can certainly change things up if they can get that victory. Um, but that's a pretty tall order against the storm. Um, yeah, I'm looking at uh, Portland's schedule. They take on the storm, and then they still have the Spar- uh, Seattle Spartans on the schedule uh, for the, the week after. Um, so at least they still have – another one winnable game on their schedule. Yeah. And that's going to be tough. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it's a really, uh, you know, the, the storm is really dialed and I think they're excited. Um, this is impressive in, in a sense, in a scope sense, Mark, because they are the D three champions. If they run to, to Canton and they represent D two in the final game and they win, D2, I don't think uh, – I would have to go back and since 2009 and sort of research that me, between you, me, and Burmey would have to go back and, and find out if, you know, this has ever happened between the divisions, right? Uh, maybe St. Louis? Um, you, you know, I don't think – well, when St. Louis won the champion, the WFA championship in 2009, I think, they didn't have a – they didn't have a uh, – a divisional system like they have now. So, tech, so one way of saying is that they were D1 champions, Division One champions in that year because there was only one division. Um, mm-hmm. So you could say that the Slam do have a Division Two, several Division Two championships, and a Division One championship. But I don't think it really compares in the same way of, uh, we're talking about the Storm. We're talking about um, somewhat uh, a team that you know, won the Division Three championship and then went up a level. Um, I don't. I think that's unprecedented. I think. I think if you were to look into it, um, you would find that it's unprecedented that a team um, won a championship at one level, then went up to the next level, and then won that championship too. I don't think that's been done. No, and I think we're probably going to see it. I don't want to. What do they call it? Uh, jinx them at this point, but I think we're probably going to see it. Um, you know, Michelle and. Uh, and Jasmine out there, they're they're playing good ball, and their defense is just they played good defense all year and um, impressive victories this season in terms of you know we talked to Coach Barrett back uh, a little bit before you know um, and, and just impressive you know they they got off the got off week one with a, a fifty burger they they a tough battle in state against Nevada against Sin City then they then they take down Cali War. Uh, they they won the game they're supposed to win against Kern County. Um, Sacramento forfeited, which is not their fault. And uh, now they're going to take on PDX. They they take down PDX at this point, pretty impressive. And I think they would be 
the front runners, um, you know, to probably be in the final in Canton. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, without a doubt. Um, I And I, you know, I think – I think there are a couple of uh, teams in the playoff bracket that could muster an upset, but, you know, that's what it would be. It, w- it would be an upset. Like the Net- Nevada's definitely going to be the favorite going through. As long as they win, they're going to be the favorite. All right, so those are the key games I'm watching. So Cali War against Arlington for the fans. Um, you got the preview from Brian Sweeney here before we started. Um, you also have uh, Miami, Orlando, Mile High, Rocky Mountain, Richmond, New York knockout, uh, PDX against Nevada. Again, you know, and we want to see what uh, the shockwave rebounds off to that tough loss against Capital, Pi- Capital Pioneers. So it's going to be pretty impressive. We'll see if Rocky Mountain can surprise us, right, at this point, um, and see if they can surprise that. That would be a, a pretty surprising win if they took down My High Blaze. Um, but Nevada, PDX, certainly on the circle, and then Cali against Arlington. Uh, not to discredit the rest of the schedule for week seven, but those are some of what we're looking at in terms of the preview. So for the fans, you can get it right there. You get the uh, lowdown right there at our Twitter feed, or you can go get it at the hub at facebook.com for slash Gridiron We're 20 followers away from 10K. Is that a rhyme or what? 20 followers <laughs> away from 10K. <laughs> so uh, share it with your friends. Come like the page if you guys enjoy us covering women's American football. The best network on the planet exists at the hub. So if you didn't know it, go right now, facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Uh, Maritime Women's uh, Football League did ha- does have a season June 5th. Thanks to Trina Graves out there from the storm for giving us the update on the schedule. Uh, preview uh, June 12th. We'll get the, uh, the results and up there at the hub. Uh, we did have the June 5th result, and it's up there, the storm and the, uh, the Lady uh, Gladiators as well. So you go to the hub right there and get the lowdown of the results of the Maritime Women's Football League. The Western Women's Canadian Football League did not have a season this, this uh, 2020. So I'm um, pretty sure we're looking forward to next year, um, you know, when they get reset as well. So let's go into the WNFC at this point, Mark. Uh, pretty impressive uh, season for the Las Vegas Silver Stars. You get the, uh, the, the you know, the lowdown right there on the recap at the hub as well. And so, uh, Mark, uh, L.A. having uh, still issues in terms of scoring, and uh, but they did contain uh, the Silver Stars to 25 points, so I guess that's a good sign. Uh, shout out to our girl Donna Zyke out there, just killing it on defense, our Norwich football athlete. So, you know, she's been doing all her things, uh, special teams, defense, whatever they're asked of her. So, uh, you know, tough cookie she is, and she's an uh, awesome contributor to the Bobcats. So, um, thoughts on the Silver Stars right now? You know, I, I'm pretty high on the Silver Stars. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that I think that they're a top five team in the WNFC. Um, they've, they've won the games that they're supposed to win, um, some by you know a very favorable margin. Uh, they, you know, they put 24 points up on the Falcons. They didn't win the game, but. Nobody else has put 24 points on them. So I, I'm kind of feeling it. I, I will also clarify, I, I'm not one of the people who contributes to uh, the poll for the WNFC, but every week I make my own little poll because I'm a women's football nerd, as you know. 
So, but I think I, I would, you know, right now I have Las Vegas in my in my top five. Uh, part of that is because of the the loss that La Muerte took to the Falcons. Uh, but I didn't really drop them down very far in my ratings, um, and we can talk more about that when we talk about that game. But I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Las Vegas is is in the top five, top eight ranked all season, and very very steady. They've been competitive to your point. Um, I really think they move into the top five this week, uh, based on the rankings. It should come out Thursday or Friday, and that would be impressive for them to move. Uh, to stay leveled mid-range all season, and now they cracked the top five. Um, that was really, really impressive. So, Brent, uh, what a turnaround for Kerry Walters and uh, and Christy Acasio and Dion Lee, you know, uh, from the 2019 inaugural season to now. So, uh, shout out to the Silver Stars. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're all they're all veterans of of the sport. Um, and you know the showgirls back in the day, they were a competitive team. They never they never really ra- real, uh, raised to themselves to the the very top of the league. Um, but uh, we can see the potential in in this team already so far. Um, yeah, showgirls uh, were, were pretty good in the IWFL for a lot of seasons. Yeah, to your point, no doubt. All right, Mark, uh, La Muerte, big test. We said the next two weeks will show what they're capable of. They did not face a Los Angeles Bobcat team. <laughs> they faced no. a high-flying Utah Falcons team. Yes, and, uh, you know, as I was watching the games, I, I was a bit more interested, really, in watching the, the Philadelphia-Washington game. Um, so I... You know, I didn't really pay, pay close attention uh, until I watched. Uh, I watched it later. I, I went back and I, I watched the uh, um, the Falcons um, La Muerte game, and I was when I saw the score, I was I was kind of disappointed. Not that I wanted, you know, you know, favorite either team, but the way we. We bracketed it last week. You and I was that this was this was a big test for Las Cruces. Uh, you know, can they score some points? Can they make this game competitive? And the score would tell you that that they didn't do that. Uh, but as I watched the game, you know, I, I just feel like Las Cruces are they're they're not a bad team. They didn't. They looked. You know, they looked like a competent team. When a team's incompetent, you see certain things on the fi- happening on the field. You see uh, players who don't know their assignments. Uh, you see communication problems. You see lots of penalties. I, I didn't see any of all of that. Uh, you know, uh, Las Cruces. You know, they looked like a very competent team, but they were just p- playing a team that that was better than them and and just beat them. So. Um, I think when you it's for that reason that I, you know, in my own personal rankings, point, I didn't cruise us down very far. I, I still think they are a very good team. No, I agree with you with all the points you made. I, I do. I agree. It, but but Utah's a different animal. So is Texas Elite. Just a different animal. Yep. And it's just, it's, yep. you know, they, they got so many weapons. You got Magana on there. You got Luis Bean at veteran quarterback for a long time. Uh, our own co-host, Holly Custer, is laying the hammer down on defense. Um, so it's, it's tough. 
it's tough to beat, you know, uh, a Utah Falcons team if you're not fully functional and on your game, you know, uh, at, at that point for four quarters. You just, just can't do it. And um, so La, Las Cruces will be taking on the Texas Elite Spartans. So as they say in my realms, good luck against Liz yeah, Landry and, and Bush, Bushman out there. And, yeah, it's going to be a tough, another tough test for them. Uh, they got to score some points on the Elite. They got to. If they can't, then it's just a, it's just a too tough test for them. But the, you know, it's also going to measure for them, right? Where they're at, what they need to work on, um, and, and then they're taking on the challenge two weeks in a row against number one, and number two. So you got to give them at least a shout out for you know putting up, putting those two teams on their schedule. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, they're getting education. You can't, like they say, you can't be the best unless you beat the best, and you can't beat the best if you don't play them. So, you know, uh, kudos to uh, La Muerte for, for having the two toughest teams in the league on their schedule. Um, it's going to make them better. There's no, there's no doubt right. about it. Mark, uh, let's bring in our ref, uh, the ex-league insider, Nate Ward in the house. Uh, Nate, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back, and it's good to be dry right now. In case you guys can't hear it, it's pouring here in Seattle. Stay dry, bro. Stay dry. You're not on the field. The elements are not right. against you. Right. I'm no, uh, right. Nate, I I... Uh, welcome back. We're talking WNFC right now, Nate. Um, we're talking La Muerte against Utah and how that didn't work out for them. But uh, it's tough to beat the Falcons. You know that. And Holly Custis in general on the squad too. Oh, it's 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 definitely a tough challenge. Um I mean we like you just said, we know exactly what caliber Utah brings, especially having our own Holly Custis on there adds a adds another degree. Um so no, they played a, a, a good strong game. I thought it was one of the, the better games that came out of the weekend. All right. Um Nate let's uh, let's talk to Mark here. Mark Denver 60 burger on Nebraska, our own Mackenzie Brooks under center because I, I don't know what happened to the Nebraska quarterback. But anyways, uh, Denver just took care of business. Yes, I, I mean, I thought this might end up being, a, you know, a more competitive game, but uh, Denver definitely uh, took care of their business. If any one of their team got on my Facebook to call me out, I would totally just – totally handed over to them because they I mean they they put up 60 points and left no doubt that um uh they were the superior team um so you know really rough really rough season for the Nighthawks um they're gonna they're gonna finish without a win uh presumably I think they played Denver again next week was it, was it uh back-to-back matchups with these yep. teams I think so mm-hmm. um, unlikely more. that uh, Nebraska will pull it out. So they need to go back to the drawing board uh, in Nebraska. And uh, Denver is, is still on that, you know, they're still in it. They're on that playoff bubble. I don't know if they'll get a bump in the rankings um, by uh, beating the last place team. But, um, you know, they're still in it. Now, Nate, you feel the same? Denver should should run the table. I mean, should win the last game of the season. Nebraska, um, you know, I feel bad for Mac. 
she's playing her heart out out there and even substituting at quarterback. Yeah. So that's going to be that's going not not good, as they say. It's it, it's it's definitely not good when I mean. It's good experience, but it's never a good scenario when you're put into that position when you're still fresh at it. And I feel so bad that she had to do that, and especially against a team like we've seen with Denver. I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree that maybe it won't be that big of a push. I mean, they're still, um, like you said, they, they're on they're on the bubble. I don't see, you know, handily beating a last-place team as, you know, earning brownie points to get into the playoffs. I think – if they weren't playing them back-to-back and they actually had a dominant team they were facing in the end, maybe they'd have a chance. I just don't see it happening. They've had a great season, but I think they're going to be on that underlying bubble unless, you know, something happens to one of the big teams. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Mark, uh, let's close out for the last two matchups here. So we had San Diego taking down Seattle. Seattle wanted to do a – uh, couldn't win the game, but they're like, hey, it's a 12-quarter winning streak, and let's ruin it for them at the last minute there, and it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, well. Um, it's, uh, you know, this is the second victory that San Diego has over Seattle now, So I, and it's a bigger victory than they, they had in the first week of the season. So um, San Diego certainly has proven that uh, – they're better than this uh, Majestics team. Um, now the Majestics still have they still have three games left on their on their schedule. So, um, and, you know, this upcoming game with the Silver Stars is a very intriguing matchup. But that's a big matchup for both of these teams. If Seattle wants to stay in it, they have to show something. Um, and then they play Oregon and uh, the Utah Falcons to close out the season. So. There, there are still opportunities here for Seattle to um, uh, strengthen their position in, in the playoff picture. Um, right now, you know, they're on the in, they're still on the inside, but you know, it just could change at any minute. We don't know what the rankings are going to be, um, and if they take a loss next week, you know, it could be over for for Seattle. They might find themselves on the outside looking in. Uh, Nate, you agree with that? Yeah, you, you know, as as you guys know um, from seeing my messages and everything, I've I've done two of their games, and it's been it's been tough. The 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 first that first home game was um, it, it seems to be at home on on the road. They looked decent. Um, in fact, uh, I, it was overheard by one of our other officials in San Diego saying that it was too close for them when they played in San Diego and they were out to make a statement. Um, but it's been tough. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, changes, a couple of coaches, um, emergency surgeries had to go out for so the original head coach had to step up and it's just, they were, they were without half, at least a third, if not half of their team to start off the season. Um, so, I mean, hopefully the, the gears get together, but I mean, they can't even afford, you know, they can't even afford to be down a couple of scores at this point. I think they just need to lead every game and win out if they, if they want any chance. Of course. Um, talk about Washington Prodigy back-to-back home and away matchup here. Uh, if the Prodigy wins next week against Philly, uh, Philadelphia is pretty much in a deep hole. I don't even think they make the playoffs at this point in the Atlantic. Yeah, like Seattle uh, next week, Philly has to pull out a win um, 
you know, I'm pretty sure that they've slid down a couple more spots. And um, um, but but I, I think they can win against the prodigy. Uh, uh, but it, right now it's looking like Washington is is the favorite. Um, they pretty much controlled um, the entire game uh, this past weekend, and you know Philadelphia scored on a on a big play. Um, uh, so they fan, the Phantoms have big playability, um, but that you know that's not going to win when you're when you're down by 15 or, or 20 points, you know. Um, so Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia has to turn it around. Like we said, like I said last week, you know, if they lose this one, they could find themselves, find the whole thing slipping away. And, um, it, it, it seems like that that's, that's happening. And, uh, Washington finishes up in Carolina. So that's winnable. So if they get this next week, uh, next week in Carolina, they, they pretty much print themselves in, into that Atlantic conference playoff position. Um, Nate, Mississippi returns after two bye weeks, getting beaten down by Alabama and Atlanta. Now they get to face Atlanta one more time. So we'll see if the Lady Panthers can rise to the occasion. Well, you, you know, the, the the nice thing about this, you know, it's still being a short schedule and being so close together in terms of playing each other, whether it be back-to-back or a couple weeks apart, is you can learn quick. You can adjust quickly. And I think we will see that in this game. I I wouldn't be surprised if they either kept it close or even got to win. I, I, I think they'd be out for revenge. Mark, you agree on that? Well, they, the Panthers do have a little bit of momentum underneath them now after posting a, a solid victory against the Houston Heat, um, who are, you know, um, themselves like kind of middle of the pack. Um, but it was a good win for them. So they do have some momentum. I believe there's a chance that they, they could get in there um, and make this a competitive game uh, with Atlanta. But, you know, it, it's a, it is a tall order. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick uh, Mississippi myself. Um, I would pick Atlanta. Uh, they've just, Atlanta's just found ways to win um, no matter who they played. So, um, I'm going to roll with Atlanta. Um, Nate, uh, we finished off Kansas City against Houston. Must win for Houston. Kansas City cannot afford to lose this one. they got to get this win if they want to make some sort of a, of a run here in the Atlantic. So uh, Maddie Roses and company, they got, they, they got to try to get this win against Houston. Oh, I think they can pull it off. I, I mean – yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, these are the kind of games we love where must win for both teams. They're going to bring out their best stuff. I think that Houston just may not have enough gas in the end to to, to overcome. Yeah, and then they get uh, Texas Elite. If they they go down this, they'll be one and four. Then they get Texas Elite, so not a good. Uh, <laughs> they got to get this win to try to get to that mix. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Nate, we got about four minutes. Uh, X League yep. cancels the season, but I hear the WFL, WFL in Mexico is probably going to have a season in September, so that's the rumor mill. Well, you know, at least somebody's doing something. But, I, I mean, you know, it's not all bad. I mean, we saw that the, the, the Arizona team kind of popped up at the last minute, so it gives them a little bit of time, and there were some 
big question marks with that that probably would have been hurdles that would have injured the the season, so to speak. So I think it's good that they backed it up. Uh, honestly, I mean, I've got a new nickname for her. Honestly, Mitch and Ditka look a lot better than Loopy Lupe. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, wow. Poking fun right there. You're poking it. <laughs> we'll see 2022. I I... you got to give them a chance. 2022, okay? Yeah. That's all I'm saying, okay? Yep. We'll see how that works. Yeah. It'll yep. be a true test by you, uh, Nate, in 2022, whether the WFLA really matures into a full season or is it Mitch going to be the only full season? So it's I think there's pressure on the WFLA. Oh, there's huge pressure. I mean, at this point, with everything we've been hearing, everything we've been reporting, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure at this point with, you know, some of the comments we've made, she doesn't listen to it anymore or ever did. But uh, there's huge heat. I mean, you know, you've got a lot to prove right now, Lupe, if you are listening. You have got a lot to prove. So you've got to step up or – you know what? You got a guy that's already experienced in the game. Even though he's made some mistakes, he's got a lot backing him. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, guys, uh, shout out to Trace, uh, Tracy Logan, the coach of the Misfits, who came in and gave us the lowdown, talking about the Huntsville situation as well. Then we had the Dixie uh, Dixie Blues. Now, Robinson, Amber Twig, and Jay Maple. So, thanks to them. So, we're going to look forward to uh, 377 and all the competition in the WFA. Don't forget to watch WNFC TV for all the action uh, on Vire Sports. So uh, for Mark Simone, Nate Ward, the absent Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, Oscar Lopes here. We'll catch you here for 377 next week. Have a great night, everybody.